0: you, it's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. All right, good morning, friends. How you doing? All right, I'm so glad you made it. You glad you made it? Yes, so good. So glad you're here gathering us today. If you're online with us today, thanks so much for joining us as well. My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you here, and I'm really excited to be wrapping up our series on identity, calling, and community. And so if you've not been here over the last couple of weeks, you can go back and pick up some of this journey on our podcast or our YouTube channel. It's been an amazing journey together as a community and a terrible one. You guys feel that? like amazing and awful because it's hard work and it's deep work. Uh, there's a book that we, we've recommended throughout the series um, called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. When you go through our growth track and then you're invited to join the team, if you become a team member here at City Church, one of the first things to put in your hand is that book. And on the cover of that book is this picture of an iceberg and his whole like premise. I tried to find a good picture of an iceberg online and they were all just pixelated or like clip art and I just didn't want to do that to you. So just use your imagination with me today. Iceberg of above the water, and everything else underneath the water. And so this has only been the beginning of this journey journey of identity and calling all being fleshed out in community. And so we've kind of just touched the tip of the iceberg, and there's a lot more to flesh out. And so while this series is ending today, and I think it'll be really, really helpful for you, even if you're walking on the last week... There's still a lot of work to be done, and that's why this is a journey we're invited into. Last week was a time change, and so in order to help everybody wake up, I had some really bad dad jokes. Um, and I was told another one this morning by one of our, like, seven-year-olds. Can I share it with you? It's just too good not to share, okay? I laughed out loud, belly laughed. If you don't, I'm going to be disappointed. But here we go. What do you call currency that you use in space? Starbucks. <laughs> all right that's all i got um hey listen no matter where you're walking in on your spiritual journey today you are loved safe and welcome our mission here at city church is to help people find their way to god from where they are that means no matter where you're walking in our desire is to simply meet you where you are and help you take some next steps and so really really glad that you're here by the way growth track part one is today after the service and so some of you have already signed up we're really glad to have you today but if you have not signed up 30 minutes after the service You're still welcome to jump in. We've got some extra pizza for you. We'd love for you to kind of just look under the hood a little bit about what it means to get plugged in here at City Church and become a deeper part of the family. So if you're not signed up and you want to stick around 30 minutes after the service, Growth Check Part One, that's my commercial. You guys good? All right, here we go. Last week of identity and calling. One of the big questions we have been asking throughout this series is Who are you becoming? Play the character arc of your life forward 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Who are you becoming? We're all becoming, we're all being formed in this life, whether it's intentional or not, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, we're all becoming someone, we're all being formed every day. The question is, is it on purpose? Is it in the direction that we want to go? And we, and we spent a lot of time in this series talking about everyone, I think, in the room, regardless of your spiritual journey, wants to wants to change, at least to some degree. Like, it's not that we're allergic to change, at least not on the things that are important to us, but more times than not, it's that we get frustrated in the process of how to change, that our best efforts are, are, are a lot of times met with, met with resistance or a little bit of success and then failure again, and then disillusionment and disappointment, and then the other people around us are also frustrated. And so it's this cycle of like, man, why even try sometimes, especially when there's something deeper that you're trying to deal with and you just feel like you are not making any Progress. So, to to clarify the invitation today, the invitation from Jesus that we looked at a little bit last week is not only to trust in him, his person, his character, who he is, what he says he can do in our lives as the Son of God, but also to follow him or to become like him. And so, here is the invitation. We've, We've been looking at this paradigm over the last couple of weeks. What does it actually mean to follow Jesus? It's not just rearranging the mental furniture of our mind to see if our theological beliefs align with a certain set of doctrines, but it's a way of life. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, which is where this series has really been sitting in a lot. And then lastly, to what? do what jesus did which is really how we start to flesh out the becoming part we talked about this how these things are married together and so this is the space of what it means to follow jesus so listen if you're not a follower of jesus in the room this is just an open invitation, that it's not just an invitation to believe or to trust in the person of Jesus, but to follow Jesus. And this is Jesus' end goal for you and I, that we are becoming the kind of people that look like Jesus and our true selves. Now, this invitation, you know, probably just from experience, we're not like pretending here, that we're not done in this process, right? We didn't go through a six-week, seven-week series on identity and calling, and now you're just fully formed Mother Teresa 2.0, Right? Uh, We're not really there yet, and so in this space of trying to become, we talked about how it's a slow process. And so to live the way of Jesus requires full-on transformation in our lives. It's not just a hobby that we adopt. It's not just something that we kind of add on to our routines to see if it makes a difference, but rather it is a full-on lifestyle where we arrange our entire lives around the way of Jesus. And so because most of us are not Jesus yet— it's a little tongue-in-cheek for you, okay? Uh, um, we, we get stuck, don't we? Like, even when we're making progress, we get stuck. And isn't it frustrating when you get stuck? Especially, like, when you didn't mean to be stuck and then you're stuck. or someone else points out that you're stuck, that's when it's really frustrating. You're like, I already know that I'm stuck. And so we struggle with different addictions, and sometimes they come and go, or there's a new one that shows up. Or we have, like, dysfunctional patterns of behavior and, and ways of thinking and ways of responding that are that iceberg underneath the surface that we don't even know where they come from sometimes, Right? You ever just respond or feel a certain way and you don't, it all happened so fast you you didn't identify the process that you got there. It just kind of vomited out of you and you're like, oh, that would have been nice to keep on the inside. (laughs) Um, And it'd it'd be even better, though, if it wasn't on the inside, wasn't it? Like, isn't that true? Like, it'd be great if I didn't have to just pretend but rather I was actually being changed on the inside. And so you and I come from backgrounds of dysfunctional relationships and ideas around sex and money and our thought life and mental health and anxiety and depression and and family dynamics and work relationships and authority structures, right? All of these things are going on and have happened to us or happened around us. And so we have all of these things that some of them, not all of them, you're probably better than me, but we have these dysfunctional things that we might be aware of or, or we might not be. And so how do we deal with those things? And then also on top of that, you and I just have some family of origin issues, even if you had a, f- a great family dynamic growing up. Like the work of kind of going back and processing who you're becoming has a lot to do with who you have become over the course of your life. Uh, I-, I heard a, I can't remember who I was reading, but uh, uh, one of these books that I was reading on emotional health and, and, and uh, this, this spiritual process of growth was like one of the reasons that you and I don't slow down and do the hard work of going back and kind of digging up this stuff is because it's terrifying, <laughs> Like, we do not want to know what's in there. We don't want to, we'd rather just ignore it and move on and hope that things get better. So, It's not that you and I don't want to change. The real question is, how do we change? So last week I taught this paradigm. I just want to give it to you again as a reminder. You can go pick it up again last week on that podcast or YouTube channel to really get the the teaching fleshed out. But just as a reminder, our our process of intentional spiritual formation is how we kind of aim our lives in a direction of who we are becoming, specifically after the invitation of the person and life and character traits of Jesus. And so we, we said that in order to be intentionally formed, we have to put ourselves under teaching that gives us kind of this new idea of reality of and this is not just what we're doing right now this is books this is mentors this is podcasts this is sitting in the scriptures this is all of the different avenues that you and I are are under a helpful teaching pointing us in the right direction we talked about how teaching is aimed at the mind and imagination so Jesus was this master teacher And he could cast a vision for you and I of the good life and and make us kind of start to lean in and say, wow, that seems amazing if I could get my hands on it. And the idea is to trigger our heart and our mind and our imagination toward what Jesus calls the good life to give us a vision for something better that maybe Jesus and his way could lead to a better life, to more healthy relationships, to an internal transformation that results in a different way that we live and we think and we, and we process what it means to be human. But it doesn't stop there because we said teaching on its own is not enough, right? Like it's great and it's helpful, especially good teaching that has you and I lean in a little bit. Our hearts are kind of inclined toward it. That's great, but teaching on its own is not enough to change us. You know this because you have picked up plenty of books and sat under print plenty of helpful teachings, if you will, in all kinds of different categories and maybe been inspired for a moment and then didn't lead to lasting change. And that's really frustrating. And, and one, of, one of the invitations of our culture in the Western space is, is, hey, more information is really what you need to lead to transformation. But you, you and I both know that that self-help section is not always that helpful. Mainly because myself is part of the problem, (laughs) right? Like if myself could have helped me, he would have done it a long time ago, but we're still here. And so the second part of the paradigm is practice. And so if teaching is aimed at the mind and the imagination, practice is aimed at the heart, or, or what neuroscientists are beginning to call your limbic system. That through practice, it's not just what we have happening up here, but getting into how we live out, or, or another word for that is, is practices or habits, or spiritual formation is what we're talking about in the way of Jesus. And so what we're asking today, all of this is happening in community. We talked about this last week, how community is vital as a part of what it means to press into the way of Jesus. Because in in community, we find accountability, which is really hard to provide for ourselves. We, we, We find encouragement, which everyone needs. Who could use some encouragement in the room today? Man, if you just could, like, find one person after the service and, like, say a word of encouragement to them, hey, I like your shoes, that'll probably go a long way, a long way. Hey, I really like your mustache, Isaac. I really like how he had that, like, sweet triplet thing in the, anyway, all right. Good drumming over there, man. Um and so you have words of encouragement. Kari too, she's sitting right next to him and she was crushing those keys, wasn't she? Not literally, but like encouragement. Come on, guys, encourage you. All right, so all right. So so community provides accountability, encouragement, and exposure. That's the one we don't like. That's why, that's probably why we resist community the most. Is because you and I have been in environments where we've been in community. We have been exposed, and it was met with not love and grace, but maybe maybe some judgment and maybe some ugly, like just responses, and we felt shamed and condemned. And so sometimes we're allergic to community because we've had bad experiences in it. And one of the ways of Jesus is that love calls us to continue to put ourselves out there, even with the danger part of the danger of community is the potential to get hurt, which, by the way, kind of look to your right and left, and everyone in here is dysfunctional and broken and has, you know, baggage that they're bringing into their relationships, and so you hang out with me long enough, and I'm probably just going to, I'm going to say something stupid. I'm going to hurt your feelings. I'm like, we're not perfect, and so that's why we need community, And so exposure when it's in a safe place, exposure when it's in safe community around safe people who are committed to Jesus and loving you and pointing you in the right direction that could look at something that maybe is not in alignment and say, hey, that's not who you really are. And then encourage you in the right direction. That is the community that Jesus invites us into. And all of this is happening through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's God in us. Once we trust in Jesus, we receive the Spirit of God and he begins to give us the power to live out the ways of Jesus. And so this is how we change. If you want to change on purpose in a direction, it takes all of these together. But what I wanna do today is I wanna sit a little bit more in the space of practice as we wrap up this series, because I think this is the hardest part of of this entire paradigm i mean community is hard and depending on your personality you are introverts in the room like that that space sounds like death to you and i get it like you're like (gasps) okay get in get out don't talk to anybody definitely don't hug me right that's that stuff i i feel it but one of the questions we need to ask is what do the practices of jesus the habits of jesus the way of life what does it do to us so practice is countering our habits, some of the things that are less than helpful. And so, so you, you probably know this, but this is a reminder. What we do does something to us. The things that you and I do, the habits that we live out, the way that we live, it, it, it's doing something to us. It's who we become. And so because our habits get into us through not our prefrontal cortex, which is what teaching does right now, but through our limbic system, what the, what the, the authors of Scripture call the heart This is a different way of formation. So let me give you a quote from James K.A. Smith because I think he really summarizes it well from his book, You Are What You Love. So he says, we are what we want. Our wants and our longings and desires are at the core of our identity, the wellspring from which our actions and behavior flow. Our wants reverberate from our heart, the epicenter of the human person. The scripture counsels above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And he goes on. Discipleship, or the, this, this invitation to follow Jesus, we might say is a way to curate the heart, to be attentive to and intentional about what you love. Discipleship is more a matter of hungering and thirsting than of knowing and believing. So you see how he's pushing against, like teaching's great, but there's something deeper that we need. So Jesus' command to follow him is a command to align our loves and our longings with his to want what God wants, to desire what God desires, to hunger and thirst after God and crave a world where he is all in all. A vision encapsulated by the shorthand, the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus talked about over and over again, the invitation into a new way to be a human, a redeemed way of being human. And so our practices, the way of Jesus, they help us learn to point our hearts and our longings in the right direction. Because if you're like me, you have some things that are already pointing in the right direction and you have some things inside of you that are just pointing in the exact opposite direction. And you can even see, you're like, I don't want that, but I want that. What is up with that? I don't want it, but I want it. I gotta have it, but I don't want it. Stop. And the things I wanna do, I'm not doing, and the things I, do, I didn't want to do. And so you and I have this tension where teaching and practice have to go hand in hand, because practice without the opportunity of vision in front of us of what could be and what should be from the way of Jesus will leave us without a direction. But practice is how we begin to get it into our system and see transformation. And so, again, teaching, what is it doing? It's countering the stories that shape our thinking, our worldview, some of the the default ways of thinking that might or might not be in alignment with the way of Jesus. It's addressed at our mind and our imagination, and it's so important. But practice is countering the habits that shape our desires. And so, so, uh, Richard Foster wrote this book just really quick so I can give it to you. I recommend a book like every other week, so you should have plenty to read this year. Uh, um, but if you wanna really flesh out the practices of Jesus, so we just had a lot of dialogue this week, in our, even in our city group, from some of our other city group leaders uh, in our community, of like, what does it mean, like, what are the practices? What are the options? And so Richard Foster wrote a beautiful book called Celebration of Discipline that is like one of the best known, and he kinda of deals with with the practices of Jesus, the disciplines of Jesus, in different categories, the inward practices, the outward practices, and the kind of the communal practices. So these are three different categories, and this is not exhaustive. This is just a really good book. If you wanted to dig in and really begin to flesh out, he gives you the great how-tos. So I highly recommend that book if you want to flesh this out more. But again, as we think about the practices of Jesus, what are they doing to us? So, So let me give you an example. Gathering today is a practice. Congratulations, you did it. Well done, that's so good. And gathering, it shapes us, doesn't it? Like gathering, is, and that's the beauty of it, is sometimes just dragging yourself to a gathering or showing up in community for a city group when you're exhausted and you feel like you have nothing to give and your mind is all over the place and you're definitely not centered or present to yourself and you're kind of bringing your worst self and you really aren't sure if you like any of the people in the room in that moment, you know, especially the the dude with the microphone. You're like, oh, why did I show up today? So when you're in those spaces, it's still doing something to you. Think about singing. Singing is a practice that actually shapes you. And so in a moment, when we're done with this teaching and we go back into a response time, the band is going to lead us. And that space is to cultivate and curate in our heart, to point our longings in a direction, to curate a love. And so these words that we sing are built with intention, most of the time reflecting the truths of Scripture or Scripture just verbatim. And what we're doing is choosing to sing, even when we don't feel it, and it's wire, it's doing something to us. Have you ever noticed, if, if, I don't know if you've done this, but I'm just gonna give you permission today, right? Like you're kind of standing there singing and then you kind of, your hands just do this. And you're not like carrying a TV or anything. You're just like, you know. And what is this? This is with your body, a posture of worship. It's an openness. With my body, with my mind, as I'm singing, God, I'm here. I'm here or God, I'm open, or God, I surrender, or God, I give this to you, or when we lift up hands, kind of like at this outstretched, God, I need you, or wow, you're, you're that good, or God, I have a question, <laughs> you know, um, you know and, and, and then honestly, like there's postures, and, and again, we, we kind of get weird in the, in the Western, kind of what, what do people think about me, but in, in the way of Jesus, right, the posture of, of getting on my knees is a space of humility This is man, I, I, I need you here, and, and, and maybe part of the reason I'm on my knees is God, like the longings inside of me aren't for you and I, w- I want them to be. And some of the deepest things are in conflict with what I, with I, what I want here. And, and there's all these different places. When we pray together, like at the end, when that prayer team is there or you pray with someone around you, that's a practice that is actually doing something to you. And so these things are shaping us in the same way that other habits shape you. Shopping, right? The more you shop, the more you want to shop. Right, the more you are on Amazon, the more you want to be on Amazon. The more that you scroll, the more you want to scroll. The more French fries you eat, the more French fries you want to eat, right? Our habits are doing something to us. They curate a love and a longing. The more Netflix that you watch, the more you want to binge Netflix. The more you gossip, the more you want to gossip. And over and over again, our habits, they do something to us. So we're trying to point them in the right direction. So here's, here's what's beautiful about what, what we're talking about today, is what this means is that you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, we have power and authority over what we love. We actually get to choose. So Jesus uses the language in Matthew 6. You can read it on your own. He says, seek first the kingdom of God, and and then you don't have to let the anxieties and worries of the world around you take dominance over your heart and mind. And so for Jesus, he's saying, hey, you have volition in the spaces that you point your heart and your direction to, only if it's intentional. Are you just wake up tomorrow and you let tomorrow happen to you? Well, then we'll see what your heart does. But you and I have the choice to seek first Jesus and his kingdom and his way over our lives. We have volition to point our loves and our longings in the right direction. That should be encouraging to you. But again, that's not without teaching. That's not without practice. And that's not without community. And it's definitely not without the power of the Spirit. Are you guys tracking with me? And so how we change is not a secret but more times than not, it's that you and I are, are missing a key component of what it looks like to change in community. So, how do we actually do this? Now, here's what I wanna to do today, and I, and I prayed over you a lot this week, and it's such a joy and such a privilege to, to watch what God is doing in this community, and, and there's all kinds of people and all kinds of different spiritual backgrounds and journeys today, and so I really felt like God wanted us to focus in on this for the rest of our time, and it's a specific practice from the way of Jesus, that seems to be the most important, kind of like that first among equals. So like out of Richard Foster's book, there's tons of different practices that are helpful, and we do them a lot together as a community, and there's all kinds of scripture reading, and prayer, and meditation, and fasting, and gathering in large and small groups, and living on mission where you live, work, and play. Those are all great. But there seems, seems to be this one continual practice in the life of Jesus that you see over and over and over again, And it seems like out of 2000 years of church history, this is still the most important of all the disciplines. So let me show you first, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. This is Jesus rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. He departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. And then later at some point, Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and said to him, I just got this picture of like, you know, a mom hiding in the bathroom trying to spend time with Jesus and their toddler found them. That's what Jesus is like. It's like, just try to get away for a little while, okay? And they found him and they said, listen to this, everyone is looking for you. Which might be nice. You're like, man, it'd be nice if everyone was, like, kind of be a big deal. Like, that's kind of the posture. And then Jesus said, ah, let's go to the other town (laughs) that I might preach there also. Check this out. Because this is why I came out. So a couple of weeks ago, we looked at at where Jesus gets his identity. And, And again, we're trying to learn from Jesus. Where does Jesus get his identity? Not from earth, but from heaven, from the Father and his voice and his life. And over and over again, we see Jesus pulling away to be alone with God and himself, into these desolate places. But what I want you to notice is over and over again, as Jesus pulls away, and and it's routine for him, it's very consistent, as he does it, He comes out with clarity around who he is and what he's supposed to be doing over and over again. How would you like to wake up on your Monday and you have things that are happening in your job and maybe kids or school or all the things that are happening in life, but how would you like to have just a massive amount of clarity where the pressure pressure around Jesus is, hey, everyone's looking for you. Let's go back over here. You're a big deal. Let's heal some more people. And he's like, actually, no, we're going to go to the next town. And imagine, I mean, like, you're like, man, all these people are gonna be so disappointed in Jesus, like, oh, he didn't show up, and Jesus is like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to go. And he's unapologetic about it, and he's not being rude at all. He just has clarity on what God wants him to do. H- how would you like it if every day was like that? I, mean, I think Jesus is getting at something, that there's an aloneness with himself and God that brings clarity around his identity and calling, and it's something that he has to press into Daily. That's what's interesting, right? Is Jesus didn't come out of the baptism waters and have identity and calling that lasted him until they murdered him. From that moment, he withdrew consistently to be alone with God and himself for this purpose. And so, this word, desolate place, is the word eremos here in the Greek. And it's okay if you can't read that, but uh, I wanted to impress you today. So, you get what you pay for, okay? eremos. Um, Can you guys say that? eremos. It means the desolate place or the wilderness or the desert or the deserted place. The, the desolate place, the solitary place, the quiet place. You guys heard of quiet time? Right? You don't have to be down on that word. There you go. The lonely place. Jesus consistently would withdraw to the eremos to be alone with himself and God. And so this is where we get the practice of silence and solitude from the way of Jesus. And all this is is intentional time in the quiet to be alone with ourselves and God. And the reason I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted us to sit here today, even if you're familiar in this, and this has been a pattern for you, well done, but it doesn't stop here. For Jesus, it was consistent. And if, and if the, the journey of identity and calling, like, who is God? Who am I? What am I here on this planet for If we've only started it, then this is how we continue in that journey. And I would argue that this is a foundational practice for continuing to discover your identity and calling and who you are becoming. And it seems to be that this is the most important of the disciplines, not only in the life of Jesus, but across church history. And what we call it here at City Church is simply getting along. We talk about the 5% life, and one of the things that you do here at City Church is, hey, get alone daily and consistently with God. All of the spiritual disciplines matter, but this one, I believe, is at the top. Listen to Henry Nouwen as he talks about this discipline. Without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we don't set aside some time to be with God and listen to him. So what's the invitation? What does it mean to follow Jesus? What's number one? Be with Jesus. Now listen, it's so important that you don't miss this. Right on the other side of all of these practices is a little bit of pride in my heart and in your heart that can take it from a life-giving access point. And again, remember, these practices are not the end. They're a means to an end. The best part of following Jesus is still Jesus. It's the relationship that changes everything. But these practices are an access point. And right on the other side of every spiritual discipline and every way of Jesus is there's this little pride that would love to grab on to whatever you're putting your mind and your heart and your hands to and start to puff you up on the inside. So that when you show up in community, you're not full of compassion and love, but you're full of maybe contempt and arrogance because you, you're spending time with God consistently and they're not. And I'm not saying that's in you. I'm saying it, it's, it's a temptation that is right around the corner of every spiritual discipline. What does Jesus do over and over again? He is just railing on the religious lead of the day, why? Because they are puffed up in pride in all of their spiritual practice. And they think it somehow has they have more favor with god because of it and they're better than others because of it and that is not at all what this practice is about as i just want to remind you it's the love of god that pushes us to practice it's actually our humility that brings us to these spaces of man god i still need you today just as much as i needed you yesterday the space of humility is where these practices are life-giving and by the way this is where community is so helpful because if you see that in your heart, and you have safe people around you, you can let them know, "Hey, this is, this is weird, but I feel this is happening. Can you can you keep me accountable and pray here, in the space alongside of me?" And so I just want to remind you of that because, man, it's it's such a, an easy space to move it into a religious category. Of all of a sudden, I'm performing for God, and that's not the invitation at all. It's a relationship. So from Henry Nowen, his space is very simply: it's impossible to have a spiritual life, at least that's thriving this growing, this becoming like Jesus without the space of silence and solitude. And so good intentions, you know this, good intentions get us nowhere. Good intentions will not lead to intentional formation. And so if we don't work this practice into our lives, there will be a little to no growth when it comes to our spiritual lives. And so let me give you a couple more just in our time. Mark chapter six, let me show you, because it's not just in Jesus But the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He had sent them out to go do some really cool stuff. They're pumped about it. They did some Jesus stuff and healed some people and all kinds of cool things are happening. And so they come back and he says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place, the Eremos, and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no time even to eat and they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. So Jesus didn't just prioritize this for himself, but for his followers, Right off the back of a a spiritual high, off a busy weekend, an amazing gathering, he's like, hey, come away. Come away. But you're also gonna see Jesus is amazingly interruptible, so watch what happens next. In uh, verse 45, a whole crowd of people show up and so they start serving them and they follow them to the other side, so they're trying to get away and they can't. And so then after all of this, immediately Jesus made his disciples, I just like the... Can you guys please leave? Like, (laughs) I need some time alone. So he makes his disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd that they had just served. And after leaving them, he went up on a mountain to pray. So after a really, really long day, Jesus is probably exhausted at this point. He recognizes that this is a place that he needs even more than sleep. And, And all we're evaluating is, man, if this is a priority in Jesus' life, if this is a need in Jesus' life, then how much more for you and I? if we're going to continue in the way of Jesus, and, and you might look at this and like, man, Jesus is so spiritual, or maybe he's an introvert, like, you know, some, my introverts in the room are like loving this, right, They're like, this is the best spiritual practice ever, and my, my extroverts are like, I'm gonna die, like, I, I can't, I can't do it, I don't know how I'm gonna, how I'm gonna survive, and, and, and I feel that space, but this is an interesting space for Jesus. Now, let me show you Luke 5, and I'm gonna invite uh, Kari to come, and as, uh, as we look at Luke 5, let's just, this is, Luke's account of Jesus' life and his increasing fame. So Jesus is becoming a really, really big deal. Life is getting busier and busier and more full, and he's getting more attention. And so then Luke notes, but now even more, the report about him went abroad. Great crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. He's a big deal. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray the busier life got for jesus the more he would withdraw this is not isolation this is intentional space of being present to ourselves and to god and so for you and i listen we live busy lives we live distracted lives we live full lives we have noise all over the place internally and externally and for Jesus, he had to continually pull back to get alone with himself and God. So why, why, why do we need this space, the silence and solitude, the intentional time in the quiet, and by the way, it's not a habit, it's not a practice if it's not consistent, which is one of the challenges for you and I, but let me give you a couple of categories to just sit in today of the why behind this invitation. When it comes to silence, we're talking about internal and external silence, right? Like literally just quieting the world around you. And so this is just maybe no phone in the morning. I mean, just think about the amount of noise that you and I have, the car rides and the spaces that we're in. I mean, how much do we, the TV on in the background. I mean, just think about how much noise you and I fill our lives with on the constant. There's something to external silence of just getting quiet and removing some of the distractions, some of the things that create noise in our lives. There's also an internal silence that worry, that frustration, that constant monkey brain that you're struggling with, like all of the that nonstop noise internally is even harder to turn off. And so the practice of pulling away with God and ourselves is both external and internal silence. But then the solitude piece is key. Because without, sil- without silence, there's no solitude. Like you can pull away, but if you've got all the distraction around you and all the noise, then it's not really solitude. Richard Foster, the guy that wrote that book I was sharing with you, He said, loneliness is an inner emptiness, but solitude is where we find inner fulfillment. So we're not talking about isolation, but being with God. And so it's in this space, listen friends, if I can just cast a vision for you, what could be? It's in this space that we decompress from the stimulation and the noise around us. And this, is, this could be 15 minutes in the morning. This could be your lunch break. This could be the evening. Jesus was constantly prioritizing it, and it was consistent to different degrees. But there's not, there's not a, a, a map you have to marry here. But what could be? In the, in the space of silence and solitude, this is the place where we start to face the good, the bad, and the ugly that's going on inside of us. This is where we face our hunger and our desire for God, or maybe the lack thereof. It's where we kind of get quiet and say, God, I don't really want to be here, which I think is a totally appropriate prayer that God is not intimidated by at all. God, I'm here, but I don't really want to be. This is where our insecurities show up. This is where addictions are dealt with before God. Everything that that we have going on inside of us, the good, the bad, the ugly, it's exposed in a safe place with God. This is why a lot of people, when they're getting alone, we have journals in the lobby for you. You have a journal that you can begin to process with God. If you're like me, I'm like an external verbal processor. And so I've got to like on paper with God, here's, here's what's going on inside. Here's what's been happening today and it's slowing down enough To begin to process and it's a safe place with god this is where success and failure kind of move out of the way the ambitions of life what people think about you they can kind of move to the side and you can be present with yourself and god but here's what happens when you and i don't have this space it's when we find our souls kind of feeling distant from god it's when we start to live off of other spirituality it's it's when we distance ourselves from others and even we kind of feel distant from our own selves this is when we lose identity it's when we lose calling and direction and perspective in life it's when we get sucked into the urgent over the important which you know all too well don't you jesus had plenty of urgent and yet he consistently gave himself to the most important things around him this is where if, if we don't have this space we get sucked into escapism which is so easy in our culture that, that we're so exhausted, we're so just, just full and burnt out from everything around us that we don't have the energy to actually do what's life-giving, so we just turn to cheap sub- substitutes, like whatever the dopamine hit is for you. And so it's, it's alcohol, and it's food, and it's binging shows, and it's you know, scrolling TikTok or Instagram, or it's porn, or it's YouTube videos, and down that rabbit hole, or whatever your drug of choice is, it's so easy to turn to something like that because we're so exhausted. To give ourselves to what's most life-giving this is where emotional unhealth just begins to go rampant and this is where that reactionary space of just and the ugly stuff just being your default is where it comes out the most and so my invitation for you today is that there's a god who loves you who wants to meet with you who has a desire and a plan and a purpose for your life and every day he's like he's like a, a good dad leaning forward just waiting for you to talk, just waiting for you to listen, and that's the space of so in the scriptures and in prayer. We have all these tools for you. There's some scripture journals in the lobby. You can just pick up the Book of John this week and just read a little bit at a time and journal a little bit and sit in silence and listen a little bit. And in 15 minutes, you can have some time. And by the way, these are practices, right? And so you go to the gym one time and you probably don't have a six pack unless you had one when you went in. It takes intentional practice over time. And so, you know what? You might pick up the the Bible this week and try to pray a little bit and try to get quiet and it might just feel like death to you. It might just be the most for you. Like, what is this doing? And can I just encourage you, like, even in that space of I'm getting nothing out of this, could you trust that maybe it's doing something you can't see on the front end? This is the invitation from the practices and the model of Jesus. So this week, here's my encouragement for you. Number one, And the only thing really is get along with God. Just try it. And listen, it's really important as I I invite you into this. Know your personality, your season, and your stage of life, okay? Jesus got up in the morning. It was early. That's wonderful. That wasn't always my routine. It is in this season, mainly because I have little kids, and they wake up at like 6 a.m., and if I don't beat them up out of bed, I don't beat them up. If I don't beat them out of, I mean, if they wake up, anyway, no, no, no. Um, if i don't get out of bed before them right it's really hard to have silence and solitude with little people around you know little terrorists that do their you know so so you you got to have time so know your season and stage of life what is it for you Uh, some of our the people in our group this week they were kind of processing someone wakes up on like you know their work starts on east coast and so like work is punching in at 6 a.m well i mean unless you're going to bed at eight o'clock and you can get up at five and spend time with Jesus, that's great. But at 5 a.m., I'm not even sure if Jesus is awake then. So like, that's a joke, guys. He's he's there, okay? But know your personality, know your season, know your stage of life. Listen, if you got little babies and you're physically exhausted, or your you know, your body is making a baby, or you've got room roommates in your house that are constantly interrupting what could be silence and solitude or right? Whatever your stage of life is, you have to look at that and then make some decisions. So from our group, we have people like, hey, I'm going to try right after work. Hey, I'm going to try at lunch. Hey, I'm going to try right before I go to bed. Hey, I'm going to try in the morning. And part of it is figuring it out. But again, consistency is key. Playing with it to figure out what works for you is one thing, but consistency is key. So again, no pressure. There's not a mold you have to fit in. There's not boxes that you have to check in order for God to love you. This is an invitation to be with the God who loves you. But let me encourage you, just start small. 15 minutes a day is normally our recommendation to get alone with God, simply because it takes 15 minutes to be present to anything, five minutes to like stop thinking about what you were thinking about, five minutes to be present, and then five minutes to try to respond. <laughs> 15 minutes is a good starting point. Number two, remember this is practice, not performance. If you miss this, you miss it all. Because love is the invitation here to be with Jesus, the God who knows you and loves you and wants to be known, and wants to help you discover who he's made you to be. And so this is not impressing God, this is a posture. And lastly, I just want to encourage you to think about time in both short and long moments. So short times daily for your consistency, but also like a period of getting away. So this might be on a Saturday where you go for a hike for two hours and you just go by yourself to get with God. Springs around the corner and and it's almost that time to like be outside. Or this might be a a 12 hour retreat that you just kind of run away into the mountains or you go rent an Airbnb. And so there's moments when you kind of take a period of time to be alone with God and decompress. So those long times are beneficial. Danielle and I try to do those about quarterly where I'll send her away for a 24 hour period and then I'll disappear for 24 hours. It takes a lot of work, a lot of intention. Someone's on kid duty, like all that stuff is true. But also that consistent throughout your week space is key. So all of these resources are available on our website. Under our spiritual resources tab but out in the lobby very simply today the Bible's in the seatbacks in front of you there's scripture journals through just the book of John which is a, a capturing the life of Jesus you can pick up one of those there's instructions inside on even how to read the scriptures and like how to journal I and mean, we want to help you in this our city groups are great places to process to ask questions to have the accountability here and again tons of permission all invitational no obligation at all but If there's a way that we change, then maybe there's something in the life of Jesus that that we can pick up here to experience that formation. So I'm gonna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And this is just a moment of privacy. This is just a moment of reflecting in our own hearts and minds. To be quiet and still, to be present to ourselves and present to God. And with your heads bowed, with your eyes closed, I just want to invite you in this moment to listen to what God might be doing in your heart, to listen to what God might be doing in your mind. And what might be your next step today? Maybe you're in this room and as you sit and as you reflect, you've never responded to the invitation of trusting in Jesus. That there's a God who loves you and that he proved that love for you by sending Jesus to live the life that you and I couldn't live, this perfect life. To die on the cross for our sins, to offer forgiveness and new life and to bring us back into relationship with God. That when Jesus was buried and rose again, it proved that he was who he was, and, and it, it proved that he can do in our lives what he said he would do. And simply by trusting in Jesus who he was and what he, want, what he can do in your life, you and I can be forgiven, made new, set free, adopted into the family of God. And maybe you've never made the decision to trust in Jesus. And I want you to know that's where this starts. To be with Jesus starts by trusting and what he came to do for you and I. And so maybe this morning you would give your life to Jesus and tell him you want to follow him and ask for that forgiveness and be made completely new. And I want you to know in that space, as you wrestle with that decision, heaven celebrates over that moment and it starts you on a journey with Jesus, a relationship with Jesus. For the other, others of us in the room, you're a, you're a follower of Jesus and you're you're processing your spiritual life, and, and maybe this is one of those, those spaces, that silence and solitude, like maybe it's just a real struggle for you. And so maybe this week, there's some space around community and practice where you would just lean in and say, man, I want access into this life-giving rhythm. I want the voice of God over my life. I want clear identity and direction. And maybe God has already made your next step clear for you today. So Father, we thank you so much for what you've done in the room already. We prioritized the space of prayer this morning of just responding to you in prayer and in worship and surrender, of using our bodies and our hands and our mouths and our mind to just simply respond to your goodness. Thank you for gathering with us. Thank you for meeting with us today. Whatever it is that you want to accomplish in the rest of our time, we pray that you would move our hearts in that direction. We pray that the overflow of becoming like you would be that the world around us would benefit, that our homes would look different, our workplaces would look different, our communities would look different because of the love that we carry into the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.